Well, um, welcome to our chapel service for today. I am once again very grateful to have this opportunity to come and share with you. Um, those of you who have been in my last couple messages know that we are traveling through the book of Philippians. I'm going to continue on that pattern today. And uh, so if you happen to have a Bible or a small New Testament, you can turn to Philippians chapter 1. And um, then uh, I will read a few verses and we will, we will begin. Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 12, Um, but first I'm going to open in prayer real quick. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we do once again appreciate this opportunity to come before you. We thank you that you are always ready, willing, and able to answer our prayers and all of the concerns of our hearts. And Lord, while I do not know the cares and concerns of these people, you do, Father. And so I ask that you would come and, and lead them where they are as you met Thomas in the upper room and as you met the followers who were walking along the road to Emmaus. Lord, I just ask that you would meet these people where they are and that in meeting them, you would leave them in a different way than when than before they met you. And so we ask this in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start reading from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. We'll be reading through um, 18. And then uh, I will make some comments. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So, we talked the last time about how um, if we are in the Lord and if we are following Him, that our love will abound and we will have great fruit from the fact that we are um, in Christ and He is in us. And so, as we continue on, He's talking about how even something like Him being put in prison was God's plan to further the Gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, when I when I think about prison or jail, I I think of it as a place that I never want to end up. And the way things stand now, I hope I never do. But I want to tell you that by God's grace, 
if preaching the gospel is ever outlawed, that's exactly where you'll find me. Because I have a passion to preach the gospel. And I'm not going to stop just because someone tells me I have to. The news is too good. The time is too short. So, as um, we continue on, we, we see that he talks about the whole palace guard. You know, I don't know if you know much about the way prisoners were treated back then, but often prisoners were chained to guards so that they could keep an eye on that prisoner. And so, very possibly, Paul was always chained to someone who was in the palace guard. And as you know from reading anything of Paul's, his whole mission, his whole ministry was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm sure, as this palace guard said they're chained to the Apostle Paul, he may have heard Paul dictating his letter, or one of his letters, or he may have been directly approached by Paul with the gospel, and he couldn't get away from it. And so the whole palace guard knew that Paul was a Christian and a believer and these things were important to him. And he talks about how his chains and God working in him even in prison has encouraged other people to be more faithful to the Word of God. Now, if this was a natural phenomenon, if this was just something that men spoke about, I would think it would have the opposite effect. If somebody gets thrown in prison for a certain activity, in most cases you can pretty much guess that it's not a smart thing to do. So I would think, from the natural man, that if someone starts getting thrown in prison for something, I would want to avoid that activity. But the Holy Spirit, giving us self-control and self-discipline, allows us not to do what we, what we want to do, but to do what we ought to do. See, there's a very real difference there. You know, sometimes we think um, that the grace of God means that we can do whatever it is we want to do. And if we have said a prayer once, then God will take us to heaven no matter what. Now let me hasten to say here that if you have trusted Christ genuinely... He will never leave you nor forsake you. I believe that wholeheartedly. But if you are a believer and you're not walking in accordance with the Word of God, then His Spirit is going to testify to you that you're not walking right. And you won't be able to get to sleep at night or you won't be able to live with yourself under those circumstances because you know that your works are contrary to the Word of God. And so then we see another part of Paul's struggle and journey. He says, Some preach Christ from envy and strife. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that it's even possible to preach Christ for the wrong reason. But because Paul was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, because he knew that what he was doing was right, 
he was confident enough to say that whether they preach him because they sincerely believe it or whether they preach him to get personal attention, I don't care because the name of my Lord is being preached. And I, I have to admit that sometimes I don't have that mindset. I see some people that are quite obviously preaching for their own ambition and I don't want to be like them, which is a good thing. But then I start condemning rather than praying that the Lord would use those things in spite of these men. So Paul really knew, you know, he, he knew that the end result, having the gospel preached was what was important and not necessarily the method. And so he's talking about rejoicing. Keep in mind, through, through this whole letter, joy and rejoicing is a recurring theme, and I'm going to continue to go through this as I'm, I'm given uh, time to spend with you guys, because I, I love this book. But joy and rejoicing is, is a continual theme here, and we're talking about somebody who's writing from prison. I don't know about you, but if I was in a dungeon a dark, cold cell, and probably in the ground somewhere, tied to a big, burly guard, I don't think... I think joy would be the last thing on my mind. I think I would be saying, Lord, get me out of here and, and do it quick. You know, it's sort of like when we when we ask for anything from God, we, we tend to be like, Lord, I, I, I want self-discipline, or I want patience, and I want it now. Well, you know, the Bible says in James, the trying of your faith worketh patience. So if you ask God to build some of these character qualities into you, you better be prepared for the trial. Because God does not give us these character qualities through peaceful times. I, I wish that we could just, um, like, like a computer software program, get a disc, insert it into our brains, and have all of that overnight, but we can't. Even Paul, the closer he got to his Savior, the closer he got to God, the more vile he realized he was in God's sight. He starts out saying that he's the least of the apostles, and by the end of his life, he says... Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He considered himself the chief of sinners. Now, for people that criticize this book and say that it's not true, or, or that it was just written by men, I don't know about you, but I don't like to admit my failures. So, the only explanation I have for Paul being able to be so transparent as to call himself the chief of sinners is that he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit when he wrote these words. And I hope that as I've brought this passage to you, that I've given you some things to think about, I hope that if you have not trusted Christ, that today would be the day Maybe you've thought about Christ and maybe you've even said the words and you've kind of had a 
a thing that maybe I'm better than other people because I, I finally said that prayer. But God's not interested in what you say. He's interested in your heart. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven. Because, you know, there's going to be people that say, Lord, I, I went to Guiding Way Mission and I served you. Lord, I, I went to uh, Africa and I served you. And He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because He's not interested in works. He's interested in a relationship with you. A personal, intimate relationship. A relationship, in my case, where he can come alongside me every day and say, Andrew, what do you need? Talk to me. And he's done that. And I'm able, conversely, to say, God, this is where I'm at right now. And I can do that any time of the day or night. You know, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I wonder why I woke up, because there's no foreseeable reason. But often... I find myself using that opportunity to pray for myself and for others. And then I fall back asleep knowing that it was probably God who just wanted to talk. I pray that you would have the same assurance. Jesus said, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life that they might have it more abundantly. That abundant life is available to you today if you just cry out and ask Him. You don't have to say any eloquent prayers. Peter said, Lord, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. And because Peter was able to make that confession, God was able to draw near him and Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Peter had a lot of growing up to do in those three years that he was with Jesus. But you know what? Three years later, when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to be with his Father, that same Peter, who was worried about being a sinful man, who said, Depart from me, Lord, got up and preached. And he preached powerfully and 5,000 men <coughs> besides women and children, were saved. Paul was a murderer, but he became one of the greatest preachers we've ever known. So it doesn't matter what you've done. God wants to pluck you out of the mire, set your feet on a rock, and give you a miracle. The question is, are you willing to accept it. They followed him on dusty roads wherever he would lead. Multitudes would gather as he healed each disease. With eyes of wonder they would watch as he would stop to pray. And when they heard the words of faith you could hear them say, Here comes a miracle. Here comes a miracle. Oh, can't you feel it in the air? That look.
look is on his face, his glory is in this place, and I know a miracle is near. The deaf could hear, the lame could walk, blinded eyes could see, and those that haven't found for years were suddenly set free. They came in desperation, the hurting and the poor. And when they saw him through the crowd, they knew what was in store. Here comes a miracle. Here comes a <clears throat> miracle. Can't you feel it in the air? That look is on his face. His glory is in this place, and I know a miracle is near. And still today, we follow him, we claim his word is true, and nothing is impossible, what he says he will do. And though the world may mock us, and though they laugh and stare, Someday then we'll see the truth when we meet him in the air. Here comes a miracle. Here comes a miracle. Can't you feel it in the air? That look is on his face. His glory is in this place. And I know a miracle is near, I know a miracle is near. Before I pray, I just want to say that if there's anybody here, all heads bow and all eyes closed, there's anybody here who would like to make that decision to follow Christ today. He's still in the miracle business. It's not always physical. You know, I, I struggled with that for a long time. I thought, Lord, why, why don't you heal me physically? Then I can use you. But the Lord said, I don't need to heal you physically. You know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He said, Lord, remove it from me. And three times the Lord said no. And finally the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So His grace is sufficient for anything that you're dealing with. And uh, I just want to encourage you. If there's anyone here who wants to make that decision, and I... I can pray for you, then please lift up your hand or I can see it. If there's any of you who already know the Lord, but you're not walking in a way that He can bless, then I would also like to pray for you. I'm here at Guiding Light Mission because I care about you guys. And I know that may seem hard to believe because I don't know very many of you personally, but I believe God put me here. And I'm going to be here until He calls me away. 
So, if there's anybody that needs prayer, if you're afraid to put up your hand now, you can see me afterwards. And I'll just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, first of all, we thank You for being who You are. We thank You that You always keep Your promises. We thank You that they're ironclad. We thank You that there's nothing we can add or take away from them because they're complete. And we just commend to You these people here, Lord. We know they came for a reason. Lord, we pray that if there be any man here that is not walking in accordance with you and maybe they could use our treatment program, Lord, we pray that they would ask the right people because the first step to getting help is admitting you have a problem. It's also the hardest step. So, Lord, I just ask that you would be with us all. Keep us humble. Do a work in us all on a daily basis. Now, Lord, I commend to you the food. I just ask that you bless it to the bodies of those who will eat now. I ask that you bless those who come in to volunteer in the kitchen, Lord. We couldn't, we couldn't run this mission without them. And we thank you for them. We ask all these things in the name of our risen and living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.